We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me now, Midwest Traveler, Chris Biederman. <laughs> man, it's it's good to be to home. Happy to be back, man. This it is, is good to be home. It's been a long week. Uh, there was there was a King's Road trip, some time in Texas, some time in New Orleans, um, some time in, went up to Santa Rosa last night for, for some holiday stuff, which was great. But uh, man, it's nice to just be back in the office, back in the lab. As, just uh, grinding. Just grinding, back grinding on a Sunday night here. Apologies to everybody who um, who may or may not have been expecting a podcast Thursday night after the Seahawks game. That was just not happening for me. Um, and uh, we wanted everyone to enjoy their holiday in peace. And not yeah, get, I'm going to be not I'm gonna getting be told- yammered at by us. So yeah, and frankly, I was gonna. I'm just gonna keep it a stack because I, we owe that to our listeners. I was gonna do a little solo pod, but mm-hmm. a I wasn't feeling very good. I just mm-hmm. wasn't feeling well. We hosted Thanksgiving this year. Um, I wasn't I wasn't feeling awesome. And then I had a couple of glasses of wine and was like, nah, I got no shot of doing this today. <laughs> <laughs> and so rather than doing a bad podcast, we're like, you know what? It's the holidays. People understand. Well, uh, we'll get some out to them on Monday. So here we are. Let's before we dive into we're going to talk a little bit about the 49ers win over the Seahawks. And then we'll begin what's going to be a week-long look ahead at this NFC Championship rematch against the Philadelphia Eagles. Before we do all of that, let's talk about our friends over at Lamb Chops. That new collection just dropped at sglambchops.com. There's a new t-shirt. It's sick. There's a new hoodie. It's flames. There's new joggers. The sweat joggers. Super fire. And a, like, Letterman jacket. Like, the leather sleeves. Yeah, and that it's nice. got the the crossed cleaver logos on the back it's unbelievable go check it out sglambchops.com there's photos of it at their instagram at sglambchops and while you're there use promo code candlestick20 for 20 percent off your order that's not a black friday thing either that's that's any day of the week you can fire that off candlestick20 and get 20 percent off your order just in time for the holidays so you're welcome from candlestick chronicles Absolutely. and lamb chops <laughs> absolutely uh as you know kyle the most important thing when it comes to buying clothes is, is looking dope it is the most important thing and you will look dope in your lamp chops sglampchops.com promo code candlestick 20 join the herd today we're also sponsored by cooperage brewing you can visit the brewery up there in santa rosa in the north bay great vibes at the brewery and candlestick chronicles hazy ipa just in the rotation now love to see it Really fire. Yeah, I I was actually up there uh, Saturday night and learned that uh, like what's ha- what's happened in the past is they've done runs and then they've kind of run out and then they've done another run and there's been like a gap between um, between their their runs of candlestick. Run. They've just had multiple and kept it going. Like it's it's so popular right now in Santa Rosa and where they sell it um, in cans throughout the Bay Area that. Uh, they just have it continuously, and there may or may not be another run uh, fermenting in the back of the brewery there. So this is, uh, what, three years in a row? Like, just yeah. Candlestick Chronicles, just a staple of Cooper's lineup. Um, they got a little bit of everything. Uh, we had we had a sour there Saturday night. That was, that was uh, amazing. Obviously, they have Cultivating Mass, the award-winning. Obviously. Um, 
the award-winning stout uh and candlestick chronicles i had a i also had a a keg slayer like their signature ipa which is also amazing so yeah go to cooperagebrewing.com order yourself some uh you can order you can get it shipped directly to your door anywhere within california obviously you have to be 21 or older um or just go up to santa rosa and enjoy the vibes and the food trucks and everything like that it's a it's a great spot cooperagebrewing.com get your beer today all right Let's talk about this Seahawks game and then begin our 49ers-Eagles little preview here. Here we go. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Before we get started, Bryce in our YouTube chat wants to know what my take is on CM Punk returning at Survivor Series. And I got to tell you, with the way he left AEW, I'm I'm out on Punk ever doing anything in wrestling again. Am I right? Am I? Who's with me? I think those are words that I just said. I don't know. Chris, I'm so happy you're back and staying hydrated. Yeah, the last uh, the last wrestling I watched was probably like sixth grade WCW. Um, my friends and I would would pool our allowances together and order the twenty dollars pay per views when it was like Goldberg uh, when he was at the peak of his powers. And we were um, a lot we were big NW Wolfpack kids back in mm-hmm. the day. Uh, circa, let's see, this probably would have been nineteen ninety eight um, off the top of my head. So you know, we'll. Uh, that that's the extent of my wrestling knowledge i heard the rocks famous and uh stone cold steve austin george kittle's big steve austin guy yeah way to bring yeah. it back to the way to bring it back to the 49ers I'm really full circle baby yeah yeah out of bit um i was gonna hmm, i was gonna say something about about wrestling and i can't remember what it was yeah let's just move on Okay, moving on. We're five minutes into this podcast. We haven't gotten the Niners Seahawks. So the 49ers beat the Seahawks, beat the hell out of the Seahawks on Thanksgiving. And honestly, just one of those one of those games that yeah, the the wheels came off a little bit there in the in the third quarter. I think the Seahawks outscored the Niners 10 nothing. But the 49ers are just so much better than Seattle that even the weird Pete Carroll lumen field aura doesn't exist anymore like the niners are just they they are that much better than seattle the gap is that wide yeah i mean it it feels like that you know going back to last year um the niners of course beat them three times last year and then their first meeting this year but pretty handily um it just feels like as long as Geno Smith's a quarterback and the 49ers defense is what it is, like they're, yeah. they're, that that gap is going to remain as far as it as it is right now. Like it, it just feels like as long as like the, the big differentiator between the Niners and Seahawks all those years was always Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson at the peak of his powers was always the thorn in the 49ers side. That's it. Their inability to sack him and his ability to scramble and pull plays out of his behind and find Tyler Lockett for some ridiculous touchdowns. Like that was always sort of the underlying thing you had to watch for when it came to 49ers Seahawks. And Thursday night, it was the Niners defense, which is playing at a super elite level and maybe the best defense in the league at this very moment um, against Geno Smith coming off a really rough throwing arm injury on a short week, having not practiced. And that was about as, as, expected right like Mm -hmm. that was that that's sort of what you expected um but one thing i i didn't really expect that that was really impressive to me was traverius ward and just the number of plays he made the pass breakups um he had how many did they credit him for officially i think two they credit him for three according to there was the one over the middle he should have intercepted yeah there was another one the deep ball that he tipped away and I can't think of the third one. Yeah, but just like you know, like that was I mean, I feel comfortable saying that was probably the best 
game he's had in his 49ers tenure. Would yeah, you agree with yeah, that? it's right up there with the game last year in Seattle when he shattered DK Metcalf. Yeah, yeah, and that was an interesting aspect too. Like the 49ers since 2017 um, have not typically had their cornerbacks shadow receivers, mm-hmm. um, and that's been a little bit new with Ward and DK Metcalf specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be that Metcalf is just such a difficult matchup for somebody like Diamador Lenore that they're just like, we want the bigger physical Ward yeah. against this guy, um, and. And I think I think Charverius Ward is really good, and I'm sure the numbers back this up. But in terms of like go balls and defending the go ball, for a guy who's not like considered a super fast corner, right? Mm-hmm. Like a guy we think about as more of like a physical long corner, he's yeah. really good against the deep ball. And he just matches up really well against DK Metcalf. And if you eliminate the DK Metcalf deep ball out of Seattle's offense, you're going a long way to neutralizing what they have. Because well, Tyler Lock. Go ahead. Did you see what Pete Carroll said after the game? No. On his <clears throat> on his radio hit with with our guy Mike Salk, friend of the program. Mm-hmm. He more or less said that they thought that they could take advantage of the Niners' corners deep because the Niners' corners commit a lot of penalties. And so that was ironic. Their, that was their no. <laughs> that was their game plan was to just fire go balls and hope for penalties or completions. And there was one penalty on the 49er secondary all night, and it was on Tayshawn Gibson who got called for a hold on a play where the Seahawks also got flagged, so it got offset. Yeah. Shout out, Migos. <laughs> yeah. Like they, uh, I don't, Char- Charverius Ward was just really good. And you didn't see, you didn't really see anything from Jair Brown that made you think, like, oh, that this, this could be a problem. Now, you did lose. Um, you did lose Odom <clears throat> to an injury, and now you're down two safeties, mm-hmm. right? So um, that's something to monitor long term. But we don't. I don't really know how we get how we talk about that right now. But I just thought like it was. I thought the 49ers would win handily. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was more impressive than I thought it would be going in. Like I thought mm-hmm. it was more lopsided than it would be going in. And and for. I mean, this is going into this week, which we'll talk about later on. You feel different um, about this game going into Philadelphia than maybe some of the other games, particularly from a rest perspective, because mm-hmm. now you're playing the Eagles, who just played an overtime game and had their defense on the field for 91 snaps. And the Niners actually Jeez. have a rest advantage because they have the extra three days after playing on Thursday. Whereas, you know, we talked about it coming into the season. Um, the Niners were the one of, if not the most disadvantaged teams when it came to rest in the NFL. And, you know, the Browns game, the Browns were off a bye. The 49ers obviously weren't. Uh, the Bengals game, the Bengals were off a bye. That, I think, factored in both, both of those games, not making excuses for the Niners. Um, and even coming off the bye, of course, the Niners uh, had the Jaguars, who were also coming off a bye, so they didn't really get a rest advantage in that game. This is the first big game of the year that the 49ers have a really distinct rest advantage. So um, it's not to say it's going to be easy by any means going to Philadelphia and playing arguably the best team in the NFL right now. Um, the mm-hmm. Niners open as favorites, which is certainly an interesting wrinkle, which we can talk about throughout this week. Um, but coming coming out of the Seattle game, you know, we haven't even talked about Brock Purdy at all yet, but you you feel pretty good about where the 49ers are at. Like you, even after the three game losing streak, it's been three games since that losing streak. And now Mm -hmm. you feel like, okay, this, this is far more like the team that was five and oh to start the season than the team that lost to Cleveland, Minnesota and um, Cincinnati. Yeah. They gave up, they gave up one touchdown in Seattle and it was a pick six on a tipped ball. That was weird. That was a weird, (laughs) that was a weird two plays from Brock. He was really good. 21 of 30, 209 yards, a touchdown, a pick, but he was playing really well. And then they had those, those two snaps from the four or whatever it was. And he just misfired to Debo Mm -hmm. on just a short crosser, like a route he hits every time. It looked like that one. It looked like that one might've got tipped too. Like it looked like back-to-back passes got tipped. Yeah. Just a, just a really strange confluence of events in those two plays. And then he's fine. The rest of the game is really strange, but yeah, it's just kind of a dominant top to bottom performance. Like I don't 
Christian McCaffrey, 114 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Purdy was really good. Big Debo game in in Seattle. You know, rinse, repeat there. Seven catches for 79 yards. Uh, George Kittle did not play. That's tough. <laughs> Niners has kept George Kittle inactive. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I the 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 player I really want to circle though. You, you mentioned Traverius Ward. Ambry Thomas was excellent mm. again the other day. And I have the numbers here, and naturally I closed out of them when I went to go click them because I lead the league in that. But um, so since he since he came in to the starting lineup against the Jags after the bye, he's given up seven catches for 46 yards and a touchdown on 12 targets, and he's grabbed an interception. That's a 59.7 passer rating allowed. And I don't know if it's Chase Young has meant that much to the defense that it's helped a guy like Ambry Thomas play like an elite corner, or if Ambry Thomas is playing that well and it has helped the Niners pass rush because Chase Young didn't have a sack the other night, but the like entire Niners defensive line otherwise uh, eight. And maybe that's just Seattle being bad up front, but I have a hard time completely discounting what Ambry Thomas has done as a, as a starting outside corner. And I have a hard time looking at his production and not saying like, oh, this is helped. Like this has been helpful for yeah. for the 49ers and not just the addition of Chase Young being the spark for this turnaround. Like it's no, it's having another corner who's playing at a really, really high level on the outside. I think, you know, like we can quote you when we're talking about that, like Por qué no los dos, right? Like yeah, no, it's funny. Ambry Thomas great. playing well and it's a pass rush playing well. Yeah. Um, in combination, uh, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's huge because one thing that was happening earlier in the season, even during the the five and zero start to the year, was like there were questions about Isaiah Oliver, mm-hmm. right? Like how comfortable you feel with this guy, particularly against smaller, faster receivers, and his ability to you know cover the deep ball. Um, that was an issue for the 49ers. And now moving Dion, moving Diamador Lenore to the inside, the 49ers didn't have any issues with Lenore really the last yeah. few weeks. Like he's been he's been really solid on the inside, and that's been a, a really nice development for them. Um, and when you just talk about talent, I know Isaiah Oliver is a former second round pick, but like the 49ers are really high on Thomas. And, yeah. you know, when they drafted him a couple of years ago in the third round, they thought they were getting a steal and that he would have been taken earlier if not for his weird college career where he'd spent some time in the hospital and and all that right like um and so i i just think like this is what the this is far closer to what the 49ers thought they were getting from ambry thomas when they drafted him than what happened last year when he basically you know came in after a promising rookie season and didn't have a great off season wasn't in particularly good shape and then just got outplayed by basically everybody in the cornerback room this year. It seems like he's taken that a little bit personally yeah. and he's embraced the opportunity that he's gotten. And that's, yeah. that's a different development for them. And, and obviously a helpful one because coming into the year, you didn't feel all that great about um, the Niners depth at cornerback, but with Ambry Thomas playing at a, at a reasonably high level, now you're starting to be like, okay, maybe, maybe this group overall is a little bit better than we thought. And maybe in in addition to that, like Diamador Lenore is more versatile than we thought because we weren't sure about him on the outside. And we certainly weren't sure about him on the inside and he's playing well at both spots when, when the 49ers need him to. So it's even, it's even more impressive for me that Thomas started the year, like kind of sharing duties with, with Isaiah Oliver and then got taken out of the rotation entirely. So to, and then to jump back in and play well, that's really impressive because I figured he was done after he got benched that second time. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, he just, he's not going to make it. And now he's a key cog in it and a defense is playing at a really high level. Um, one more thing from this game for me, that touchdown throw to Brandon. Ayuk was so sick. I've watched it a million times. I think it's a, I, I thought the George Kittle throw against the Jags was the best throw of Purdy's career. I think this one might be better. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those big boy throws where 
you know, it's you you have to throw it on time. Like the Kittle one was difficult because the pocket was collapsing on him. Right. He didn't really have room to step up and he just kind of hucked it. But there wasn't really a timing element to it. It was just like a deep it was a deep ball. Like you don't right, just get it out. This front. one, he starts out left, he's getting pressure from his right, and then he first of all throws it in between four defenders, right on target, perfect spiral. And it's, you know, it's the game ceiling play pretty much. It just felt like one of those throws that that could have even more like as good as it was. And it was in the air for what, 30 yards or or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was on a line like Brock Purdy's obviously not known for his arm strength, but it was on a line. It's one of those throws that might be more symbolic or might have like more symbolic value like down the road. Like if Brock Purdy makes that throw in Philadelphia, yeah, or a similar throw in Philadelphia, there's a chance that he's like, yeah, like after after doing that, making that throw last week in Seattle, my I, my level of confidence was a little bit different, right? Like there, like, and this I'm I'm not trying to equate these throws, but there's when Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl. That throw had like massive ripple effects, right? Like not only did the 49ers lose the game, but it sort of changed, not changed the way, but like really impacted the way we all felt about Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. Like, man, that was his one opportunity to like really like win a Super Bowl. And it never really felt like throughout Jimmy Garoppolo's time as a 49ers starter, he had those throws where it's like fourth quarter of a game, downfield, into traffic, on time and accurate like a game-winning throw like jimmy garoppolo you never felt confident that jimmy garoppolo would make that like game-winning big-time throw in a big moment and i know the game was sort of out of hand and, and it was lopsided throughout but i think what what brock purdy's throw can do is like alter perception that like okay this is a guy who could make you a big throw in a big moment where Mm -hmm. and given how things have gone with the 49ers at the quarterback position since 2017 like that's a pretty unique feeling Mm -hmm. right like we know Brock Purdy's good we know the numbers are what they are but like the 49ers haven't had quarterbacks just go make those types of game defining throws yeah very often and now you get a guy thanksgiving on the road in a tough environment seahawks aren't very good but like still a tough spot to make that throw Mm -hmm. and everything about it was perfect more or less right so it's we've it's a big time play yeah we i i go back to the 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 rams the rams home game in 2019 where garoppolo had the back-to-back third and 16 conversions and the one was just a, a bullet over the middle to Kendrick Bourne. And then the other one was to Emmanuel Sanders on a blown coverage. But to your point, the throw to Ayuk was right where it needed to be for not only him to catch it, but then to carry him into the end zone. The throw yeah. that Garoppolo made to Emmanuel Sanders should have been a touchdown, but he like way under threw it. And Sanders had to like go back and get it. And then he falls and he gets touched. And it's a game winning field goal instead of a game winning touchdown. The long touchdown to, uh, I think it was Emmanuel Sanders again in New Orleans in 2019. He literally had to backpedal to catch it because it was underthrown. And then he falls down and then gets up and, and goes. So Yeah, that's, so, that's a good point. So, like, those throws have been there, but never, A, with this consistency, and B, never in a spot that allows a receiver to continue making a play. Mm-hmm. And that was, the big, that was the biggest thing to me, is not only did he get it over the the to the two defenders in front but then to get it enough out in front of IU that he could uh, get between those two defenders into the end zone like that was just an unbelievable play and it it slammed the door like that was it I th- the game was probably over before that but that was night night like there was no chance after that and like was it his best game as a pro like not not by a long shot and were there some misses in that game like absolutely but it's those kind of throws that when somebody says like, oh, Brock Purdy doesn't do anything, like he very clearly does. And if he only makes two of those throws a game where he's doing something and they're in those spots, like I will take that a hundred times out of a hundred over whatever the fuck 
Justin Herbert's doing in LA. Yeah. Or whatever Josh Allen's doing in Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, so, so what's kind of funny about the Brock Purdy conversation, too, is like he's playing at a higher level. than. Sorry, excuse Garoppolo. my language. I don't know why the F-bomb just slipped out. Yeah, it's, it, you're passionate. It's, <laughs> I, I respect it. Um, the, it's funny, like the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation, Everyone there, there's a lot of people who say like, man, Jimmy Garoppolo got a lot of hate for how much he won or, or given how much he won. And then it's like Brock Purdy's winning at a higher level. Like, do, do we not get that? Like Brock Purdy... Like there was a three game losing streak, but there was there were there hasn't been like the continuous like terrible throw in that Thursday night game against Tennessee a couple years ago. Oh right. That nearly that that nearly cost the 49ers in a pretty big way when you have Kyle Uzcheck wide open running a wheel route. Like you don't have those misses consistently. Like it felt the biggest difference for me between Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo is it felt like in many cases the 49ers were winning despite their quarterback play yeah and right. a lot of time jimmy garoppolo was was serviceable enough but there were enough like really bad throws and really touch and go moments where you're like man he's there the niners are kind of on the razor's edge with their quarterback they, position right now they should brock purdy is that brock purdy is a reason why they're winning they're not winning despite brock purdy he is a reason why they're winning Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. I I totally agree with you. They here's the way I can put it. They should have blown more teams out in 2019. Yeah. And in 2021, they should not have been clawing for a playoff spot in week 18. Or losing to Carson Wentz in a or, rainstorm. Right. Like all these <laughs> So there's all these games you can point to that A they shouldn't have lost, but B where okay they went out and won but but i mean like the, remember the chargers game last year i think they beat the excuse me i think they beat the chargers like 22 to 17 but that was the chargers defense it was down a bunch of guys and they couldn't stop the run and they didn't have any receivers that game i think the niners win by three touchdowns this year yeah 22 16 22 16 thanks it was, but it was just knock down, drag out, like scratch and claw and go get a win. And it's like, that's not how that game should go for a team that fancies itself a Super Bowl contender. Mm -hmm. And this year, I, I think a Jimmy Garoppolo team probably beats this version of Seattle, but beats them like 23 to 17. Yeah. In it, like, okay, they won it, but like, or they get a, there's a stop at the one inch line. <laughs> Right. Like at the end of, although that 2019 Seattle team was better than this one, but you get the point. So yeah, that's the biggest difference for me is like, does Brock still get uh, plenty of help? Like for sure. Like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to diminish what Kyle Shanahan does or what Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, all, all those guys like Christian McCaffrey, obviously it, he is in a great spot, but he's also doing things that go beyond just, Oh, the offense and the weapons. Yeah, and that's why that throw in particular was uh, such a big deal to to me. Yeah, I agree. So, can we talk real I, quick about? Oh, did you have more on Purdy? No, go ahead. I wanted to talk about the Bills real quick. <laughs> Are the Bills a bad good team or a good bad team? <laughs> I, I think, think they're a bad good team. I think they're a bad good team. I think what Josh Allen did today. Like obviously Josh Allen does some like has some just maddening performances and just does some things where you're like, man, you should you should be way way above that. But also like sometimes you just gotta win with your high wire act. Like right, like Brett Favre, and I'm not saying Josh Allen's Brett Favre, but Brett Favre threw a, a shit ton of interceptions. Mm -hmm. But you lived with it because that's what Brett Favre was like. He's just going to throw picks, mm -hmm. but in order to have one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen, you need to just be able to live with those picks. Mm -hmm. The problem the bills have run into is that they've had a lot of injuries on defense, particularly to their best guys. They lost their best corner and they lost their best linebacker. And Josh Allen has to wear the superhero cape on offense. They don't really have a running game. And when he's doing things like he did tonight, he looks like the best player in the NFL. But 
he can't really do it by himself. Like he needs an elite defense if they're going to like contend for championships. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was pretty apparent in Philadelphia. And I don't think Sean McDermott did a really good job in overtime at all. You had the defense, you had the defense running to the defense's left at the, at the snap. And you saw Swift on the, on the second to last play of the game. The play was designed to go to the offense's right where the, the defense was flowing and then you just see him cut back and it's like, oh, it's a big run, like easy. Mm-hmm. And then you see the same exact thing on the next play. The defense is flowing to its left and Jalen Hurts is given a wide open lane right to the end zone down the left side. The offense is left. And so I think they like I think they're a really good coach away. Um, I think the McDermott thing has probably run its course, honestly, like I think so, too. I think I think Allen's good enough. I think you just got to ride the roller coaster with him um and and hope you can get better better health defensively but like if you give them a more competent coach i think i think they're right in the mix like they're as good as anybody um when it comes There's, to philadelphia oh go go ahead just to put a pin in that point real quick before we jump to philly jordan mylotta on philly's offensive line this is from james palmer uh, from nfl media mm-hmm. jordan mylotta said on the game-winning touchdown that he couldn't believe the bills gave them that look that play is a staple within their offense, and when they saw the safety move, they all knew Jalen would score. So that's what Sean McDermott's up to. <laughs> hey, it's Chris and Kyle here with Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Super easy, super exciting way to play DFS, and it's just against the numbers, not against pros, sharks, or a million other players. It is you against stats. You pick more or less on two to six player stat projections, and then you watch the winnings roll in super easy. And now with basketball season here, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. It's right there at the top on the app. Super easy to find. That's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. So for example, you get LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half point combo of, or I'm sorry, a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made and receptions. So Travis Kelsey gets seven receptions. LeBron hits four three-pointers. That entry is a a big winner for you. So that's one of my favorite parts is is crossing basketball and and football entries. I've been having a blast doing that. But over Thanksgiving, Chris, I had a little bit of success on the 49er Seahawks game. Not to brag. Makes one of us. (laughs) So I had Christian McCaffrey there was a special running where his rushing plus receiving yard total was half, half a yard, half a yard. And that hit, right? Yeah. So I broke down the tape. I crunched some numbers and I decided that picking more, (laughs) more than half a yard for Christian McCaffrey was probably going to be a winner. Great job. And, and that hit, he had 139 total yards. So that was, that was good there. Brandon, Ayuk, I had him less than 64 and a half receiving yards. Nailed that. He had 50, as his trend of going more and less every other week on those on those projections continues to hit. Uh, Juwan Jennings, less than 15 and a half receiving yards. He had just seven. And Chase Young, more than a quarter sack, no dice. I think five different players recorded at least half a sack. Chase Young was not one of them. That's fine. And then I had Noah Fant, more than 16 and a half receiving yards. He had 25, thanks to a big one on, I think, their last drive. Just a totally meaningless 19-yard reception for our boy or 16-yard reception to get him to uh, 25. So I four out of five, thanks to the flex play, got a little cash, and that is why I love prize picks. I've got another one to talk about, but what was yours from, from Thanksgiving? Did a power play because uh, I only take big swings. Right. You, scared, scared money don't make money. Exactly. Um, so I had Brock Purdy fewer than 253 and a half. Uh, that one... That one was successful. Purdy only had 209. Um, I had Purdy with more than eight and a half rushing yards. My guy had three attempts for a whopping total of one yard. So that one didn't hit. Mm. Um, Chase Young. Got a bone to pick with my guy Chase here. Brutal. Uh, in a game where the Niners had six sacks. Yeah. Is that the, that's the total number. Um, yeah. I took Chase Young to have more than 0.25, so all he needed was was 0.5. Oof. Chase Young didn't even get on the damn stat sheet. Uh, Oof, not so even a tackle. That one, that one did not hit. 
Um, not even a tackle, not even, you know, an assisted tackle, quarterback hit, you know, anything. Nothing from our guy Chase. Not to say he had a bad game, but, you know, for us playing prize picks here, it was a little disappointing. I had Michael Dixon, the Seahawks punter. Uh, I had more than four punts, uh, and obviously that hit, he had five. So um, two two out of four did not hit my power play, but, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to evaluate the tape. Um, take a look in the mirror and try to try to get back to our winning ways uh, next week. This is why I love prize picks because I woke up on Sunday and went, I don't have anything happening. I'm going to submit a prize picks entry and I hit four out of five. So I had Aiden O'Connell Raiders quarterback to go less than 200 and a half yards against the chiefs. He had 138 at halftime and uh, 246. So he had more than that number. So mm. I didn't hit that, but Rashid Shahid less than 37 and a half receiving yards. He only had nine for the saints. Najee Harris, less than eight and a half receiving yards. He did not have a single receiving yard. Nailed that. Taysom Hill, more than 18 and a half rushing yards. He had 26. Dude, I put Taysom Hill more than rushing yards every week in any entry I do. It's easy. It's It feels so reliable to me. And then I had Jake Browning, since he quarterback, less than 12 and a half rushing yards. He had nine. So I had four out of five. Shout out to the flex play. Again, got a little bit of cash. So your boy's on a little streak right now, and I feel good about it. Shout out Great. to Prize Picks. Great. The uh, the Cooperage beers are on you. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, except I'm going to continue putting in entries here. So TBD on whether whether I'll have beer money next time we hang out. Uh, one of the things I love about uh, one of the things I love about Prize Picks though is that they offer Apple Pay for quick and easy deposit. So if your boy goes on a little cold streak. Uh, I'll be back in the saddle very quickly and very easily. Let me tell you. So if you want to join us, go to prize. And I dude, I I'm telling you, I highly encourage it. Uh, go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Dude, that's a great deal. Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. What's up, y'all? It's Kyle from Candlestick Chronicles here to talk to you about Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. I know there are so many people out there who are like me. You wake up at all hours of the morning, you commute three hours a day, you have your main job, you have side jobs, you have families, you have you have extracurricular activities that you do, whether it's maybe it's church, maybe it's coaching a baseball team or playing softball or basketball, whatever it is you do in your life. Maybe it's knitting. I don't know, but you're busy and you don't always have time to meal prep, whether it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, you wind up not, not making a lunch when you go to work and you wind up going and grabbing fast food and you just, Oh, you're on the way home. I'm going to grab something quick to eat. You know, you don't have time to always prepare something great for yourself. Whether it tastes good or, or whether it's healthy for you, it, it, it's, it's up and down. At least for me. I don't know. Maybe you're, maybe you're different. But I know especially around the holidays, you're trying to make holiday plans. And also you got to cook and you got to make sure you got something for breakfast. Make sure you got something for lunch. Oh, what are we going to do for dinner? That's a constant question in our household. With Factor, you can skip that trip to the grocery store. You can skip the chopping, the prepping. Oh my God, the cleaning? Are you jo- The cleaning is my least favorite part. And you can skip all that too. Because with Factor, you can get all of the flavor and the nutrition quality that you need delivered right to your front door. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. I have a box of Factor meals coming to my house right now. And I honestly, like, <laughs> I'm such a dork. I get the shipping updates. And I check and see. I, I'm I get the I get the updates, and I'm looking to see exactly where my box is to make sure that it is going to get to me when I need it. And I'm so excited to crack that thing open and get get ready to eat meals because again, like I said, this is a hectic week. We got holidays coming up. I got people coming over. I've got a house to clean and and a fridge to keep full of holiday goodies. And I'm also gonna have a fridge full of Factor, and that's gonna get me through the ups and downs of the what am I having for lunch? What am I having for dinner? What am I going to do for breakfast today? I don't have to answer that question anymore because I'm going to have Factor in my fridge. Head to factormeals.com slash candlestick50 and use code candlestick50 
to get 50% Oh my god, half off? Is that serious? Oh my god. Okay, here we go. I'm going to do this again. Head to factormeals.com slash candlestick50 and use code candlestick50 to get 50% off. That's code candlestick50 at factormeals.com slash candlestick50 to get 50% off your order today. Join me. Get factor. Anyways, the Eagles. Tough scene. The Eagles. Um, Eagles are underdogs in this Niners game. At least when the official, when the first lines came out on Sunday night, as we're recording this. Yeah. I saw one and a half. The Niners are favored by one and a half. Yeah. It's also, yeah. Same. I, at first I, it was like, what? No way. But then you start to think about it and it makes, it makes sense. The Niners are on 10 days rest, whereas Philly's coming off this super emotional overtime win where would you, how many snaps do you say their defense played? I think 91 or 92. 90 plus. <laughs> 90 for plus. Context, for context, uh, the Niners defense played 56 snaps on Thursday. 56. Yeah. And if you think that doesn't matter, like it it absolutely does, the the rest stuff, especially this time of year, especially when you're an Eagles team that, that's banged up. So there's that aspect of it. There's, I mean, just the, the rest itself. And then there's, there's part of me that I think because of this and because of doing radio on ESPN 1320 Sacramento sports later and, (laughs) and on, and, 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 you know, writing and, and all this stuff is I, I start to nitpick the 49ers a lot, sometimes probably (laughs) unfairly. Yes. If, if the Niners ever give up like points in the first quarter the group chat is blowing up with like oh this is over i'm just like they suck it's now. a wrap they, they 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 should probably look into tanking <laughs> <laughs> no but it's like i get i get really like nitpicky and like i said probably unfairly so and there's people listening that are like yeah fucking unfairly so idiot <laughs> but but they're they've they've been like their ceiling has been higher than phillies this year that when they've been winning, they've been way more dominant. They had three weeks where they lost their minds. And now they're back to being dominant. Whereas Philly has some nice wins, like beating Buffalo, beating Kansas City, beating the Cowboys. Those are all really excellent wins. And end of the day, that's the goal. They're 10-1. and one. They're the best team in the NFL right now. But when you're Vegas, or you're trying to put on your Vegas hat, and you're going, who's the better team here? you can see why they would say it's the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think the Niners top to bottom have more talent and are more balanced, right? I think the Eagles, particularly defensively, I think the Niners defensive line is a touch better, um, but not by, by like a wide margin. I think you can make the case that the Eagles, defensive line is just as good the Eagles offensive line is much better than the Niners offensive line and I don't think that's a discussion not even and I and I think the Eagles offensive line is really like if they win the game that's going to be why they're going to be like the tush push is going to work in key moments they're going to convert some short yardage plays with the running game and also um well, anyway, we're talking about who's better right now. I have some other thoughts, but um, when, <laughs> we when three, we're talking about who's better, to do this week, dude. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, like defensively, the Niners linebackers are way better. Um, Eagles corners are probably better, but the Niners safeties are probably better. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah. think yeah. I, I just think overall the Niners defense front to back is better. Um, and I think. When the Niners are going well offensively, their offense is, is more consistent. What we've seen with the Eagles, though, like we talk about that 0-38 stat when the Niners are down, mm-hmm. you know, eight or more points going into a fourth quarter. Yeah. We haven't seen the Niners really come back from any sort of deficit. And we saw the Eagles do that today. Twice. Twice, right? Like the Eagles were down 24 to 14 in the third quarter. They got down ten and, twice, right? Uh oh, they didn't tie it. Oh, okay, never mind. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, they they were down twenty four fourteen in in the third quarter. Came back, obviously went to overtime, and then and then 
the Bills went got on the board first and the Eagles scored the touchdown to to win the game. But like for the most part this year, and this isn't necessarily me saying that like uh, this this is like a bad thing, but the Niners have kind of won all their games the same way, right? Like they've just kind of like scored first and then just kind of like rolled these teams, right? Like it happened in Pittsburgh. It more or less happened against the Rams, although that game was was a little bit closer. It happened against the Giants. It happens. It happened against the Cardinals. They blew out the Cowboys, right? They blew out Jacksonville. They more or less blew out Tampa Bay, just handled business, and they blew out Seattle. So they haven't really played like the back and forth game and come and came out on top, right? Like the the games that were closer, those came during the losing streak. Mm-hmm right? Like the Minnesota game and, and the Cleveland game. And so that's not to say that I think the 49ers can't win a game like that, but the Eagles have been forced to win games in a, in a wider variety of ways. And I do think that that gives them a little bit of an advantage because when the 49ers have been behind in the fourth quarter this year, those have been the games they've lost. And that's when th- those are the times when Brock Purdy's thrown those, those bad interceptions. And it just is what it is. And so like, if you want to look at statistics and numbers and, you know, point differential and all that. Yeah. 49ers have a 140 point differential and the Eagles is 64, but the record is what it is. And I know we're in like this weird world of analytics and social media and, you know, people looking at numbers in a way that, that they haven't before. But to me, like I'm much far, like I appreciate analytics and I understand them for what they Mm -hmm. are but they are not the end all be all when it comes to the judgment of the team. I'm far closer to the Bill Parcells. You are what your record says you are yes. line of thinking. And I understand that that's like antiquated and there are probably some analytics people who are like, that's really dumb. And like, I get why you think that way. Yeah. But the thing is an NFL season is 17 games, which is generally a small sample size. Uh, right. So yeah, yeah. while, so while analytics have value, you're basing everything off an inherently small sample size. And there's so many variables in football, mm-hmm. injury, schedule, rest, whatever, mm-hmm. that all these numbers inherently are really noisy. So for me, like, yeah, there's value in analytics, but like we're looking at small sample sizes to me, like I can't, I can't discount what the Eagles are doing and say, wow, the 49ers are so much better because the 49ers have a better point differential. Like the 49ers right. have just sort of like, rolled on all these teams and the Eagles have had to win their games in a, in a much different way, mm-hmm. which, you know, I don't know if being battle tested quote unquote necessarily matters all that much, but the fact that they've been in all these games and they've had to come back and they do have confidence when they are, when they are behind going into the fourth quarter, whereas the 49ers are Owen 38 under Kyle Shanahan when entering a fourth quarter down eight or more points. Like, I'm sorry. Like that's, that's, I can't ignore that and just be like, Oh Yeah. Niners point differential is more than twice the Eagles. So the Niners are clearly the better team. Mm-hmm. I just can't look at it like that. Like the Eagles are winning games yeah. at yeah. a higher rate than the 49ers have this year. Like point blank. Like that's it for me. Here's, here's where I'm at with the, and again, I'm totally with you on the analytics stuff, but to me that I think where it, it, it falls short is it just comes down to the players and analytics are great for being predictive and for if you want to use here's a great example if you want to use out, uh, underlying numbers or peripheral numbers or tape or whatever whatever to say that Justin Herbert is better than a 29 and 31 quarterback then okay like that that's fine if you want to make the argument that Justin Herbert with the 49ers would be a top 3 NFL quarterback like okay that I'll, I'll listen to that but if you want to say that, well, the Chargers are just as good as the Eagles because of X, Y, and Z, like, no, they're not. Like, they're just, <laughs> like, they're not. The, 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 the Eagles went, there was an air, this is, this is how I, I judge. And again, this is, this is dumb because as a person who loves numbers and, and analytics and stuff, this flies in the face of that, but it is what it is. It's sports. It, during that game today, there wasn't really a point that I ever felt like Philly was going to lose. It's like the bills go down, they get their touchdown. And it was like, well, 
the Eagles are going to go score here. I didn't think they were going to kick a 61-yard field goal. I thought they were going to go either get a touchdown or a field goal to send it to overtime. And then in OT, it's like, I don't think they're going to lose. Even as the Bills get the ball, even as the Bills are driving, it's like, ah, they'll get the stop. And then they do. And then they go down and they get a touchdown. Because that's just kind of how they operate. They're yeah. just, they're very machine-like. And if they've been as dominant at their at their peak as the 49ers this year, no. But they've also not been as, as low as the 49ers have gotten. They're just really consistently good. And it's extra impressive to me that they're doing this coming off a Super Bowl loss. Yeah. Like, that's hard to do, man. <laughs> it's really, their really revenge tour is going better than the Niners. Dude, <clears throat> hey, do you know why? Tour, it's dude. probably because they didn't go on the internet saying hashtag revenge tour. <laughs> um, so we should point out, though, that the Eagles have gotten a little bit lucky at times, including today. Uh, Buffalo misses two field goals in a game that they lost by three points. That went to yeah. overtime. Yeah. So, I mean, luck's part of it, but like, I'm, it, it's hard for me to be like, you know, I, I don't factor luck into saying like, I, I don't know. I just think, I, I think it's fair to say like, you can, I, I, I'm going to ride the fence on this completely. I think it's fair Love to it. say, yeah, you look at the rosters, you look at the coach in particular and you say, yeah, the Niners probably like one to 53 have a better mm-hmm. roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Eagles are the number one seed and they've won the games and they deserve that respect. That's it. And like a point differential thing is not going like is not going to change my opinion of that. And that's right. I'm, I'm right there with you because I don't know if there's a, if there's a player or, or a, I guess I should say a team in the, in this conversation. I don't know if there's a team that I trust more to score points, whatever points they need with 90 seconds left and no timeouts or a team to get a stop when they're up five with 90 seconds left. I, I just, I, and I think that says a lot. Now, again, like you said, is it crazy that the Niners are favored? Like, no. And if we no. find out that the Niners, hey, are also that team, then I, I would not be shocked. The Niners are good as hell, bro. But <laughs> Philly's Philly's been really good this year, and they showed it in kansas city and they showed it against buffalo and whether it's luck or whatever it is they're 10 and 1 and the niners path to the one seed is honestly really really tough so let's do you want to map that out real quick so if they win on sunday they'll be a game back but they'll have the head-to-head tiebreaker but they'll have the head-to-head tiebreaker um i haven't even looked at detroit but so that that's the let so here's in week 12 it's hard to be like here's all the tiebreak scenarios because yeah. the head to head tiebreak scenarios are different than the three way tiebreak scenarios so the easiest way to do this is let's say Detroit loses one of their final games so the Niners if they win Sunday would need to run the table and hope that Philly loses another game Like that's, and if they lose their three back and they don't have the head to head tiebreaker, it's over. Yeah. So the way the Lions have looked the last couple of weeks, I do think they're, they might be a different team than they were when they were like five and one. Right. Yeah. Um, that was ugly on Thanksgiving, man. Oof. That was ugly on Thanksgiving and really ugly the week before against the bears in a game that they somehow pulled out. Um, But so Detroit, just real quick before we get to the Niners and Eagles, Four of the last six games remaining on the Lions schedule are on the road at Mm -hmm. New Orleans, at Chicago. They're home to Denver, which is suddenly a much better team than they were early on in the year at Minnesota, at Dallas, and then home to Minnesota. So the only point I'll make here is that I'm feeling different about Detroit now than I was, say, a month ago. Um, given the way they've played and given the fact that four of their next six are on the road. Um, And I just, I could see them slipping up once or twice is really all I'm saying. Yeah. Who do they have left? At New Orleans, at Chicago, Denver at home, at Minnesota, at Dallas and Minnesota at home. Oh yeah. They're going to lose one of those at least. At least. And the Niners are, the, the Niners are currently in the two seed. 
Right. Um, and the tiebreaker against Detroit is the Inter- intra-conference strength, strength of wins or con- yeah, conference records. The yeah. Niners are six and one in conference. Detroit's five and two. Right. So I, the <laughs> honestly, it, it it well, I mean this this doesn't really ultimately matter probably, but the Niners might wind up if they lose four games this year, there's a good chance that three of their four losses are to AFC teams. That's just a weird. You, you think in thing. Baltimore, Baltimore, like if they, if they lose to Baltimore, yeah. but Baltimore's their only remaining AFC opponent. That's a bridge. We can't cross until we, until we get to it. One week at a time, Kyle. Yeah, dude. I don't know what I'm thinking. Like <laughs> trying to just lose focus on the Eagles. Is this, is this a trap game? Shout out to <laughs> shout out to everybody who's upset thinking like for, about us looking ahead and not having the one week at a time attitude because <laughs> we play for the team and we're preparing for the Eagles on Sunday and we can only talk about the Eagles. That's a real thing that happens on the internet, by the way. <laughs> no, it's it's hilarious. It's like, guys, I don't play for the team. I, like, I can let's just if I have the one week up at, on this week. Right. I can have the one week at a time mindset. That doesn't mean the players in the <laughs> locker room have it. Right. That's why you mad I at promise, me. Talk to them. <laughs> I promise that my article about the seven toughest games remaining on the Niners schedule is not going to affect the locker room. Right. They're like, dang, did you guys read this? Hang yeah, on. Brock pause, Pert- pause that Seahawks tape. <laughs> <laughs> Brock Let's Purdy see. dialing up NinersWire.com. <laughs> Fired up. <laughs> like, hey, hey, did you guys see this? Hey, Christian. <laughs> you see this? You see this article about our schedule? <laughs> Like, dang, hey, let's look ahead. <laughs> uh, what, hey, George, Brock, I, know hey, what's you got your... Eagles, I know you got Eagles tape, but come over here and read this. <laughs> you see what they said about the Ravens? <laughs> it's going to be a tough game. Let's focus on that one. Get, hey, get, guys, uh, you lost 42-6 to six, uh, here in Philly. Uh, what, what happened out there? Oh, God, we're just... You know, we're real focused on Lamar Jackson this week. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking too much about that next Seahawks game. Anyway, oh, man. Hey, uh, just it would it would we would be remiss to not mention uh, an incredible slate of college football this weekend. Huge, huge victory for the the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, I didn't think they had a shot there at the end of the Iron Bowl with the whole illegal forward pass and the fourth and thirty one. So. Uh, big ups to Nick Saban uh, for pulling out the win over mm. over Auburn, and then uh, big ups to to Florida State for for that comeback against Florida. Just uh, big rivalry games uh, that uh, that uh, wanted to wanted to shout out. I'd say those are the the biggest ones of the weekend. So. I'm perfectly okay with and Kyle's bit here is ignoring the Ohio State Michigan <laughs> game. I'm perfectly okay with acknowledging Michigan was better on Saturday and they played really well. I thought Ohio State played like an eight out of ten game. Michigan was closer to a nine, nine and a half. Um, mm-hmm. I think JJ McCarthy is really good. And my point of frustration with Ohio state is the fact that McCarthy wanted to go to Ohio state mm-hmm. and is instead making plays all over the field as a Michigan quarterback. While the, while Ohio state more or less has a game manager who can maybe run into a good throw. Uh, Dude, he was not built for that game. Well, I mean, the first the first half interception that led to the touchdown Oof. obviously was the biggest play of the game. Oof! Um, Yikes! Shout out yeah. to Josh and Tracy. Congrats. But shout Congrats out to Josh and Tracy. My my big issue is more about the the cheating scandal, and I'm gonna I'm gonna rant for like 20 seconds here. Yes, Michigan against the world and America's team and all this bullshit. You turned around and accepted the penalty of Jim Harbaugh's three-game suspension, which is more or less an admission of guilt. So save everybody from, like, save all of us from hearing your bullshit about it being so unfair the way you're being treated when you turn around and see the evidence against you and just decide, okay, yeah, this penalty's fine. Like, just (laughs) shut up. Like, nobody, you're not, oh, we're dealing with so much adversity and it's not fair to our kids. You guys did this to yourselves. You should have thought about the kids and the penalties that might come when you were cheating. I'd like, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Like it, if they would have kept fighting the suspension and all that stuff, like, fine, go ahead. Like, whatever. I don't care. But if you're going to accept the penalty while you're doing this us against the world thing, 
shut up. It's really dumb. shut up. The, and Michigan was a better team. They deserve to win. Whatever. Fine. And yeah, right. I'm an Ohio, I, I'm an Ohio State alum, and obviously I'm a little bit salty. But the whole their whole handling of this thing is so fraudulent and so ridiculous. It's, and I just want all the Michigan people to do, like. Who's going to be the first Michigan person to say, "Man, this sucks that we did this." I'm really disappointed that we did this. This doesn't reflect our program. Like instead of like, oh, this is this is a farce, a farce investigation. Everyone's just out to get us because we're so good. It's like you guys accepted the three game suspension for Jim Harbaugh. So just shut up. Just shut up at this point. I'm done. I'm extra sensitive to it after the whole Astros thing. And just yeah. the fact that none of the Astros players ever like spoke up about it. And the response from the main the main guys from that team was like, I don't know what everybody's so upset about. Like, why are we being asked? I don't know why everyone's booing us. <laughs> like, if you don't go to hell, dude. America's As... team. And and here's my guess at what's going to happen. Isn't Harbaugh still coaching? He just yeah, can't he's be gonna, at he's, the game. His suspension's over. He's going to coach the Big Ten championship game. Um, here's what I what my guess is going to happen. There's still an NCAA investigation ongoing. Mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh, who everyone at Michigan loves, who who really tried to get the Minnesota Vikings job last year and endless NFL jobs before that, who's a self-proclaimed Michigan guy till I die or whatever. Michigan man. He's going to leave the program for a crappy NFL job before he can get suspended or punished even further for this cheating thing. That's my guess at what happens. And then I would love to hear everyone's opinion at Michigan of Jim Harbaugh. Michigan guy till he dies and whatever. Fed up. <laughs> Is that it for today? Um, yeah, Michigan Michigan was a better team. It was, it was frustrating. They to, definitely were. They were the better team. It was frustrating that Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't getting more targets. Um, it's frustrating that Ohio State, as like a super top tier program, has more or less a game manager quarterback. That's right. Um, I'm not like a fire Ryan Day guy, but it's like, hey Ryan, like you know, let's figure out the quarterback position. And and I know you had a nice run with Justin Fields and and um, C.J. Stroud and all that, but like, at some point, look, let's let's improve the situation. Like, it felt like Ryan Day approach that game like hey good old-fashioned fisticuffs put up your dukes <laughs> and michigan brought like a cache of weapons and ryan day just never decided to try and fight differently it was a strange juxtaposition of styles where you have this super aggressive michigan team and then ohio state not doing anything creative or different and just riding their grind it out game manage quarterback i i knew i guess they don't have a ton of choice but i i did not feel good about the game in the first quarter even before mccord threw the interception when his first two passes i think i think they were the first two passes were like wildly off target yeah and then the receivers just looked pissed like they hated their quarterback right it's like oh okay so this is what it is so these guys are basically treating kyle mccord like Justin Jefferson treated Kirk Cousins a couple yes. years ago when he like sulked after every pass was yes. like wildly off target. Okay, yes. great. <laughs> One of my favorite plays of all time was that playoff game, and it's Justin Jefferson and he's hanging out in the end zone. And where I was in Narnia in the press box, um, you could see the trajectory of the throw going downward, and you saw Justin Jefferson's shoulder slump before the ball even hit the dirt. Yeah. It was unbelievable cinema. That's it what so, it, it so that's good. what it felt like. And at that point, I was like, "Yeah, Ohio State's not going into going into the big yeah. house and winning today." What? I don't want to. This, but I, they played this they, they, a... in the third and fourth quarter. I thought they had a chance, but again, like, can maybe get like the best receiver we've seen in the last ten years of the ball. Dude, how does he not get twenty freaking targets a game? I don't know what's happening. I don't know. Anyway, this is not an Ohio State podcast, but I'm glad I was able to get my my feelings off on the uh on the sign ceiling investigation just somebody if you're associated with michigan be the first person to be the bigger the, the bigger person be like man i wish we didn't cheat i wish we didn't resort to this shit we're better than this we're the most winning we're the winningest program in college football history we don't need to steal signs and do all this bullshit 
Instead, everyone, oh, like playing the victim card and being like, oh, all this adversity. You brought the adversity on yourself. Don't cry during a post-game interview and talk about all the adversity you went through. Shut up. <laughs> God. Like, <laughs> free Jim Harbaugh. Like, Jim Harbaugh put himself there. I <laughs> <laughs> got suspended twice. That doesn't happen to normal coaches. Normal coaches don't get suspended twice in the same season. What I'm sorry. Joke. What a anyway. joke. All right. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. We'll be diving into to Niners Eagles all week. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Candlestick Chronicles podcast. Or you can just search Candlestick Chronicles on YouTube or right there at the top. Subscribe. Hit that little notification bell. You'll get a notification every time we go live, uh, which we do after games. We've got a mid couple of midweek pods and just bring new content. Hope you enjoy yeah, and it. our shows our shows stream also on uh, X, formerly Twitter. Um, the handle is at Candlecron, no stick, no ickles. Um, not a ton of followers over there yet, but you know we're, we're steadily it's a slow climbing. build. It's a slow it's build, a s- slow build. But uh, yeah, we're streaming we're... on if it's easier for you to watch on X. Perils of creating an account on a dying platform, <laughs> like two X. years after the fact. God's yeah. the dumbest shit. <laughs> X. Elon might be watching right now. I hope. Do you I hope know? It, do you know who would call it X? Eleven-year-old me being like, "What am I going to name this fake business that I'm going to run? <laughs> I'm going to call it X." Here's the logo. It's half a block X, half a regular X. Yeah. What happens at X? I don't know. <laughs> but it's called X. Uh, anyway, what a dipshit. I feel like anytime I like see, you know, like a, like a X post or a tweet that gets sent to the group chat and like Siri reads it to me and it's like, so-and-so says on X, I'm like, are they at the party? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just rolling and on X. Adam Schefter just just sharing info with gigantic pupils. And icy hot, just like <laughs> we got, we got some inactive news. <laughs> anyway, <sighs> let's go. All right, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>